You're listening to the Stephen or Else podcast, and uh, yeah, I apologize for that. Welcome to another episode of the Stephen or Else podcast, and this is not the episode you were expecting. This should have been week two of Superman month, in which I talk about funeral for a friend. But as things tend to do, especially when uh, I'm working two jobs, the week got away from me, and I just didn't have time to, by the time I read the book, which was very late in the week, I didn't have time to really record the kind of episode that you people deserve. So rather than just skip this week, which I I know is going to happen eventually, I'm just not ready to do that yet. So instead, I'm going to play, I'm going to, I'm going to play you two episodes from my newest podcast, Event or Else. And this is the show in which I go through every major Marvel and DC event. Well, most of them one issue at a time, so you don't have to. And this is uh, Secret Wars issues one and two. Enjoy. Oh, and you can get this uh, anywhere great podcasts are played, and the newest episode comes out on Wednesday. Okay, that's all. Enjoy. The following podcast will contain spoilers along with unfettered feelings of nostalgia. Proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Event or Else. I'm your host, Steven, and this week we're just going to jump right into our first major event. From May of 1984, Marvel Super Heroes Secret Wars, issue number one. But really, we're not going to jump right into it, because I have a couple things to say first. Um, I neglected in the first episode to give credit to someone who is somewhat instrumental into getting this podcast out there in front of you all. And that person is Harold C. Jennett III. Now, let me explain. So I've been thinking about this show for a while. And uh, the other day before, well, the other day, it's been a week, been over a week now. I am sitting in the waiting room at the doctor's office. My daughter is in, she's, she's, she had an appointment. I'm, I'm out waiting in the waiting room because that's what they're made for. They're made to wait. And uh, I'm on the old Google Hangouts, and I'm chatting with with Harold. And Harold and I go back a ways. He's a he's an often time collaborator. Is that even a right the right word? He and I have collaborated a number of times on various projects. He's an artist. I'm a writer. We've put our two brains together, and we've created certain things. The most current being our web comic that's out there, that's uh, updated every now and again. It's called Our Adventure Continues, and you can find it at OurAdventureContinues.com. But I am chatting with him over the uh, Google Hangouts, and I'm talking to him about this idea I have for this podcast, and I send him by email a couple of images, just two pieces of cover art that I have put together using Canva. Each one is different only by title alone. Uh, they were very basic red background with white letters. The white letters was just showing the title. And I said, here's, here's a couple of ideas I have for the name of this podcast. And on, to tell you the truth, honestly, I was kind of hoping that he would come back and say, you know what? You work two jobs. You have three kids. You have a wife. You have a dog. You have a cat. And you're already doing a podcast. Technically, too, when you consider the one that's out there on the Patreon, why would you want to do another podcast? I was hoping that Harold would talk me out of it. I think there was a secret part deep in my heart that uh, was hoping that Harold would talk me out of doing this podcast. But no, that's not what he does. Instead, he says, okay, these two title ideas you have, they're stupid. Don't use those. They're dumb. And in another little small part of my heart, I knew that he was he was right. I mean, I had come up with these ideas thinking, you know what? I'm probably not going to do the podcast anyway. So who cares if they're dumb? But he just pointed out face to face through uh, phone screens because Harold and I have never met in real life. We've only talked over the Internet. But he tells me, no, they're stupid. 
You have to have, if you're going to do this, it's going to be called event or else. And I said, you know what, Harold, for once in your life, you're right. And then not only does he not convince me that I shouldn't be doing this, he ups the ante and says, do you want me to put together some cover art for you? All right. So that kind of sealed the deal. I was like, uh, let me think here for a second. You're a great artist. Uh, and you're gonna, uh, you're volunteering to create this cover art for me for free. Uh, yes, please. And so then he starts asking me, you know, well, how, what do you want? What do you want it to look at, look like? And I, I don't know. I'm not the artist. You're the artist. You just do it. And he says, okay, um, here's what I'm thinking. I will draw you with your hair and your beard, like blowing back, like there was an explosion. And I said, yes, like it, do it. And within moments, within mere seconds, it felt like I get a uh, a mock. Okay, here's 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 what I've got so far. Yes, it's great, awesome. Keep going. And then I've got a color version. Yes, it's awesome. He says, "Okay, now the background. Should I put like some Kirby Crackle type stuff in the background?" Yes, genius. Do it. And so he does it. And I don't. I honestly, I don't remember how long it took. Uh, it was the same day. I feel that it was during the entire time I was waiting in the waiting room, which was about an hour, but I had the finished artwork back to me that day and it was beautiful. And so, you know, I had no choice but to soldier on with this podcast. So if it's a terrible show, if you hate it, you can blame Harold. Of course, if it's an awesome show, it's it's because of me, but otherwise we're going to blame Harold. Now, if you want to see some of Harold's stuff, you know, beyond the great cover art that he's made for me, beyond the awesome web comic that we do together. You can also find him out on Patreon and he has a website. I'm going to put the links to both of those in the show notes. All right, that's out of the way. Harold, thank you so much. Okay, so before we get into issue number one of Secret Wars, just a small bit of background. So this 12-issue limited series was created uh, because Mattel wanted to do a toy line, uh, featuring Marvel's superheroes and supervillains. They wanted to do the, they wanted to do some action figures and they wanted to do, uh, vehicles. You know, you had like GI Joe was out there really big. They had Star Wars out, you know, Star Wars was out there really huge. He-Man was starting to be a big thing. And Mattel, Mattel wanted to get in on that. So they approached Marvel and they, they talked to Jim Shooter, who was editor in chief at the time. And they say, this is what we, we want to create these, uh, action figures for your characters, but we want you guys to, to, to create a book, uh, that will tie into the characters to, to the action figures. And so this is how we get Marvel superheroes secret wars. Um, now Jim Shooter has since said that he, he decided that he needed to be the one to write it, uh, because he had, he had a lot of great writers working for Marvel at the time, but all of his writers were very dedicated and loyal to the characters that they were writing, which is a good, is a good thing. They're very passionate. It's a very good thing to have, uh, from your writers. But what that meant was if writer A wanted to borrow a character from a book that writer B was doing, writer B would, would, wouldn't like to let that character go and would often come back and tell writer A, you're doing it wrong. And for this 12 issue limited series to have so many characters from, from different books, Jim Shooter just decided, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to have to write this myself. Uh, I'm the only one that's going to be able to, uh, to do this and to, to back the writers off because I'm ultimately I'm the guy in charge. Uh, so that's what he did. So we're going to talk about just issue number one. I'm going to give you a brief synopsis of the issue, and then I'm going to talk about some of my favorite moments. So issue number one was written by Jim Shooter. The pencils were by Mike Zeck, though he is credited as Michael Zeck. I don't know at what point he goes to Mike Zeck, but he is credited in this book as Michael Zeck. The inks were by John Beatty. The letters by Joe Rosen. Uh, Christy Shield did the colors. And Tom DeFalco was the editor. So let's talk about the, the cover real quick. Cause I think it's a very iconic cover. And it was, it's one that, uh, I believe Alex Ross recreated for a future, um, 
collection of this series. But basically, you have most of our heroes on the cover just coming at you. They're just coming at you on the cover. You've got Iron Man, Hulk, Spider-Man, Human Torch, Nightcrawler, Captain Marvel. And this is the uh, Monica Rambeau Captain Marvel. My Captain Marvel, frankly. Uh, the Thing, Colossus, Rogue, Hawkeye, She-Hulk, Cyclops, Wasp, Captain America, and Wolverine. And I want to point out, because I'll mention this throughout this episode, Wolverine on the cover has his claws out. And that's, you know, because that's his thing. Obviously, you're not going to have a bunch of heroes coming at you on the cover and and have Wolverine on there without showing his claws. But I I point that out because... I didn't go back and study every panel after, after it kind of, this realization hit me in the face like a wet fish. But I feel like every panel within this issue that Wolverine shows up in, he's got his claws out. I just found that kind of funny. So, okay. So before the series actually began, a little, a little background into how we get, got into the series through the other comics. So. Before the series we began, we saw all of our heroes in their own comics uh, at some point enter this giant structure that appeared in Central Park. And they go into the structure and they disappear. So, for example, if you're reading the books at the time, uh, let's, let's use Spider-Man as an example. At the end of Amazing Spider-Man 251, which was published in April of 84... Spider-Man swings into the structure in Central Park. Something, his spider sense is tingling. Something pulls him to Central Park. He goes to Central Park. He sees the structure. He swings into it and he disappears. The next issue, next month in May of two of, of 84, the same month that the first issue of Secret Wars comes out, Spider-Man comes out of the structure and he has Kurt Connors with him. And Spider-Man is in a brand new, never-before-seen costume. So if you're only reading Spider-Man, you go from the one issue to the other issue, and you're like, what the heck happened? Well, you had to then read Secret Wars to know why he came out of this structure with Kurt Connors, who is the lizard, and why he's wearing a brand new costume. And you actually won't find that out for to like issue eight of the series. So we're talking like seven, eight months later for the reader to find out why Spider-Man is suddenly in this black and white costume. I thought that was pretty cool. Even back then as a kid, I thought that was pretty cool. Another example is that uh, the Fantastic Four, but just read Johnny and Ben, so Mr. Fantastic, Human Torch, and The Thing, they go into the structure, I think, during one of the issues of The Thing. Susie, the invisible girl, she's not with them because she's expecting. She's about to have a baby. So they go into the into the structure, and then when they come out, there's like an issue of the Fantastic Four where where suddenly, you know, one issue, uh, Sue's like, oh, I wish, I wonder where they went. I, I hope they come back. I hope they're okay. Then they're back. Ben is not with them, and the She-Hulk is now an official member of the Fantastic Four. And again, how did that happen? Well, you'd have to read all 12 issues of Secret Wars to learn how that all happened. And in the case of re of Ben not coming back, I mean, you literally that happened in the last issue, I, I, as I recall. So yeah, you'd have to wait a year to find out what was going on. All right. So as the story opens, all of our heroes, uh, they're they're in this giant structure that they have gone into uh, in their own books, but they're they're suddenly out in space. And here's who we have: we have Captain America, Thor, Captain Marvel, Hawkeye, Iron Man, She Hulk, Wasp. The Thing, Reed Richards, The Human Torch, Colossus, Cyclops, Nightcrawler, Professor X, Rogue, Storm, Wolverine, Lockheed, Magneto, Spider-Man, and the Hulk. Wait a minute, Magneto? He's not a hero. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Because he's not. I mean, he does. Doesn't he at one point after this lead like the X-Men? Um, but at this point, not a hero. We'll figure out what's going on here in a bit. So they're all confused. They don't know who brought them here, who brought them to this place, but they they introduce themselves to each other, which uh, I don't feel was for anyone's benefit other than the reader, because we have to understand that this series was there to pull in new readers. Um, they they also at this point realize they're not alone. They can see outside the structure uh, 
Also out there in space is another structure, and it appears to be full of a lot of the major villains. And Professor X discovers this by doing a mental probe. And so over there, we've got Dr. Doom, Dr. Octopus, Absorbing Man, Enchantress, Kang, Galactus, Lizard, Molecule Man, and then the Wrecker with his wrecking crew, which is Thunderball, Piledriver, and Bulldozer. Okay, so it's at this point that the heroes start, you know, why is Magneto with us? We're the heroes, the villains are over there, why is Magneto with us? And they 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 get into a bit of an argument about that. Um, over in the other structure, of course, the villains are just as confused as our heroes are. And then Dr. Doom introduces everybody to everybody. Um, and then both of these structures, these ships, I guess you could say, they're both like hurtling through space, and then suddenly all around them, that whatever galaxy they happen to be in is destroyed. All the all the the stars just go out, and they're just floating in blackness. And then up, then they watch as right before their eyes, a planet is created, just like pieces of other planets just zooming through space to come together to form another planet with a sun. And uh, that's when they all kind of realize, okay, this is something a little beyond pun intended, us. And of course, the villains being who they are, they start to bicker and they start to fight. Uh, Ultron, being Ultron, tries to destroy them all. And uh, Doom convinces Molecule Man to use his powers to push Ultron into Galactus. And Galactus is just like, uh, whatever, dude. And just with this, with, you know, just barely emotion drains all the energy out of Ultron, and then just kind of goes back to staring out into space, ignoring everybody. And then suddenly out in space, there's a big bright light and like a, a tear appears in space and a voice announces from this light, I am from beyond. Slay your enemies and all you desire shall be yours. Nothing you dream of is impossible for me to accomplish. So this is the premise of our book. We've just within the first few pages, we've set up what we're doing here. Basically, this is Survivor before there was a Survivor, just without all the games. So, Because you, you got two teams of people, and in this case, of course, they are superpowered beings. And they're taken from their homes to a strange, foreign, dangerous place. And the last one standing is the winner. So yeah, this is, uh, this is Survivor. Galactus, uh, he kind of refuses. He doesn't, he doesn't want to obey the voice. And frankly, he thinks that the, the voice can help him. He's the first one to refer to the voice as the Beyonder, and he flies towards the light to give him, you know, urging the Beyonder to give him the power to remove his eternal hunger, because Galactus is a dude that's always hungry, and the only thing that can quench that hunger is eating planets. Uh, but Doctor Doom, seeing this happen, he he leaps into the action and he follows Galactus into space. But when they're close enough, the light just diminishes; it just goes away. Brunk, and Galactus and Doom are thrown back and they're, they actually are thrown to the planet. So these, uh, structures then are, are, uh, go over to the, to the new planet and they are placed with our two groups of, uh, uh, fighters on the planet. The heroes again question why Magneto is with them and they begin fighting. And, uh, you know, they're kind of wondering, do, do we want Magneto with us? The, and they kind of team up with everybody on one side and Magneto and, and the X-Men on the other. And finally, Magneto's just like, you know what? Whatever. You do you, I'll do me. And he flies off. And it's then that the heroes decide that they, that, uh, Captain America needs to be their leader and they need to go find shelter because when they're put on the planet, even though they were in this structure in space, the structure goes to the planet. They go to the planet, but it's like they're, they're teleported out of the structure onto the surface of the planet. So, if this was Survivor, then their first game, their first contest is to find the structure, right? That's their, that's their first goal. Uh, meanwhile, we get back to Galactus and Dr. Doom and they are, uh, they're also on the planet's surface. Uh, Galactus is unconscious and Dr. Doom gets up and he finds the, the, the villain's structure, which is now their home base. And, uh, he finds all the other villains there and he tries to convince them to help him steal the Beyonder's power. You know, let's not play this game. Let's use this to our advantage. Let's steal the Beyonder's power. But the villains, of course, again, being villains, they don't trust Dr. Doom and they all start fighting amongst themselves. 
and uh, Doom, disgusted by their simple minds, not not the band. He's d- by their literal simple minds. He uh, he finds a vehicle and takes off. He's going to go find Mister Fantastic because he thinks Reed's the only one that that can understand his intellect. Kang, however, sees this. And he uses one of the weapons, this big giant cannon within the structure, and he shoots down Doom's vehicle. The heroes from where they're at sees this happen, sees the, the vehicle blow up, and they go in to investigate. They find Dr. Doom lying in the rubble. Uh, Cap tries to help him to his feet. But frankly, Doom, being who he is, of course, he just he can't take these heroes uh, and their pity. So he attacks them, and then he flees. Uh, and as he flees, Iron Man, uh, something like drops onto his radar and he warns the heroes that they're about to be attacked. And that's when they turn and the final page of the issue are all the other villains ready to attack. And then we're going to see what happens to that after, uh, on the next issue. All right. So that's issue number one. Of Marvel Secret Wars, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, I haven't read this. Pro- I, I, I have probably read it maybe, maybe ten years ago. I do read this every once in a while, but it's been it's been quite a bit. But I still do enjoy it. Does it hold up? Probably not. Uh, but it's still a fun read. Especially you know, especially that first issue. But let me talk about some of my favorite moments from the issue. Um, and most of them actually came from the dialogue because this first issue, of course, it's a lot of setup. And like I said earlier, we have to understand that, that they're trying to appeal to the new reader and they don't have a lot of space to do that. So what they do is, you know, to really introduce a new reader to these characters and what they can do. Jim Shooter tries to do that in the dialogue. Uh, for example, when the introduced, when the heroes are introducing themselves, um, it actually starts with Janet Van Dyne, the wasp, and she says, I'll start. Everyone knows us because we're the mighty Avengers and we're famous. That just cracked me up. I think it, it just seemed a silly thing for anybody in that situation to say, because we're the mighty Avengers and we're famous. And then she goes on to say, but I'll go ahead and tell you who we are just in case, even though you guys should all know who we are because we're the Avengers and we're famous. I'm still going to go through and tell everybody who we are. Uh, but then in the same panel, the things contribution is, is pretty funny as well. Cause he's like, we're the fantastic four minus Susie, the invisible girl to you exclamation point. It's a lot of exclamation points. Stretcho calls himself Mr. Fantastic. If you can believe that exclamation point, this crumbs the human torch and I'm the Easter bunny exclamation point. It's a lot of exclamation points. The, is this entire introduction panel is all exclamation points. And I'm just trying to imagine these superheroes just yelling at each other. Spider-Man's like, I'm the friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. I don't, I don't get it at all. Uh, another example of using the dialogue to introduce the readers to characters and what they can do uh, is a speech that Magneto gives when the heroes first confront him uh, when they're, they, you know, they call him a murderer. He says, I am many things, a mutant master of magnetism, and an avowed enemy of humankind. But a murderer, slayer of innocence, never. I fight in defense of my race. My cause is just. Though even the X-Men, who like me, are homo superior, stupidly fail to understand that. With uh, more exclamation points. So this kind of sums up who Magneto is and his relationship with the X-Men. But my favorite stuff in the issue, and again, it's all dialogue. My most favorite stuff is all the Wolverine stuff. And like I said, every panel that I that I saw, I didn't go back and study them all, but it seemed like every panel he had his he had his claws out. So uh there are three uh moments with Wolverine that I enjoy the most. So once they're on the planets, when the hero or once they're on the planet and the heroes confront Magneto again. And Magneto's like, you know what? You do you, I'll do me. And he takes off. Before all that, Professor X and Cyclops, they try to calm down. You know, they try to calm the situation. They're being all like, come on, guys. We got more things to worry about. Let's not worry about this. Hawkeye, however, ever the diplomat, grabs Cyclops by the front of his costume and gets all up in his face, which causes Wolverine to respond, hands off, Hawkeye. Cyclops is a jerk, but he's our jerk. And then there's a moment uh, that, that when they all decide that Cap 
should be their leader. Uh, Wolverine, again, bearing his claws, disagrees. Wait a minute, he says. He's the least of us. He can't do anything. I won't follow him. And it's only after a word from Thor. You know, Thor's like, hey, little guy, uh, I'm a god, and I think uh, that Cap's the bee's knees. So I'm going to follow him. And it's at that point that Wolverine kind of acquiesces. But... The greatest Wolverine moment in the entire issue is right there near the end when they come across Doom. Wolverine threatens to use his claws to cut Doom out of his armor. And uh, this causes Johnny uh, to ask, you know, the Human Torch to ask Wolverine where he went to charm school, which then causes Wolverine to utter what is the greatest line in the entire issue. Shut up, punk, or I'll carve you into briquettes. So yeah, Jim Shooter... This is Jim Shooter doing his best to show us that Wolverine is not a team player. I think we get it, Jim. Wolverine's not a team player. So beyond that, uh, the art, of course, in the book is just straight up beautiful. I am a huge Mike Zek fan. I love Mike Zek. I have forgotten. I always forget about Mike Zek until I pick up Secret Wars. And uh, just love, love, love his artwork. And it's, it's a shame that he doesn't manage to pencil all 12 issues. That makes me sad. We'll get into that when we get to those issues that he doesn't do. But, you know, I really wish he could have done the entire series. But, you know, he couldn't for whatever reason. But uh, the issues he does are beautiful. And here's the thing. If you check out my Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else, uh, once this episode is live, I'm going to be posting... Uh, which, if you're listening to this, it is live. So do it now. I'm going to be posting some of my favorite favorite uh, panels from the book. And you get to see uh, some of my favorite Mike Zek artwork. Because it's not all just action panels. Some of the non-action panels are just as good as the action panels. Mike Zek is the man. All right, so that's issue number one, Marvel Secret Wars, issue number one, May 1984. And so we just have 11 more to go. Isn't that great? See you next week. The following podcast will contain spoilers along with unfettered feelings of nostalgia. Proceed at your own risk. Welcome to another episode of Event or Else, the podcast where I go through almost every major Marvel and DC event, one issue at a time, so that you don't have to. I'm your host, Steven, and I want to thank you for joining me once again on this journey into madness. Now, if you've been following so far, and really we're only at episode uh, three, uh, but if you've been following, if you've been listening for those first two episodes, then you know that this week we're going to be looking at issue number two of Secret Wars from all the way back in 1984. But before we get into that, I actually have a bit of feedback this week. I got some feedback and I'm really excited about it. It, it, it comes in the form of a voicemail that a listener uh, recorded and sent over to uh, my email at stephenorelse at gmail.com. I invite all of you to do the same. Well, not all of you. I mean, it depends on how many people are listening. I mean, I don't want hours and hours and hours of footage. Anyway, that's not what I'm saying. I got an, e- I got an email. It's got a voicemail in it. I'm really freaking excited to listen to it. So why don't we do just that? This is Harold Charles Smith III calling in with a, a voicemail. And uh, so I just listened to the first episode of Event or Else. Second episode, second episode. It's kind of the first episode. It's the last one. The first one is just kind of an intro, which you probably should have called it that or episode zero, but no, you had to call it, you had to confuse everyone, as usual. So I thought I'd, you know, come in here and after hearing that episode, you said some things about me. So I, I need to set the record straight about what actually happened with the artwork that I made for you. So, so Stephen, you know, I, I have a... I have Gmail open at work. I'm at work. I'm trying to get some work done. I'm trying to keep my, mo- my nose to the grindstone at my cubicle. Like, my job is stressful enough. I have enough distractions. 
I never select Gmail open because if you have open Gmail, you have open Google Hangouts. So sitting there working, notification pops up. Like, oh no, Steven. Oh Christ. I'm like, all right, what? What do you hi, what what do you want? I'm busy. Steven's like, Hey, yeah, yeah, I'm at the doctor's office with my daughter and I got nothing to do, so say so, hey, you, you you know, I'm I'm doing another podcast and I just roll my eyes. Like another podcast. I'm like, what are you doing another podcast for? Shouldn't you get your your first podcast done right, like professionally, so people can enjoy it before you start working on a second one. Like, duh, it's obvious you should not be doing another podcast. Like, yeah, I think it's a good idea too. So anyway, I have this idea. It's going to be this event podcast. Blah blah blah. It just goes on and on and on. I'm, I'm basically ignoring him, and I, I glance up. I read like the last couple sentences. It just and I'm like, oh no, he's asking me what I think of his artwork. So. I look, I check his, he sends me an email, and it's, it's crap, it's, it's complete crap, but I, I don't want to talk to Steven anymore, so I'm like, yeah, fine, it looks good, good. He's like, yeah, 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 so I thought you could do some artwork for me, because I don't think it's very good, actually, so I thought you could do some artwork, and I don't have time to do artwork for him, like, I only do artwork for Steven, because I feel bad for him, okay, because he's an awful writer, and he has an awful podcast, so, you know, I feel bad, it's mercy art. I'm like, okay, Steven, I, I, I can't, I don't have time to do artwork for you. So, yeah, great, great, great. Okay, so here's my idea. Okay, great. Here we go. So he has his... I'm like, look, don't... You know what? Let, let me just do some artwork for you. I have some ideas. Just let me let me get them past you first, because usually your ideas are trash. So let me just... Let me give you my ideas first. It's like, okay, fine. So I gave him, like, 20 awesome ideas. Okay? Oh, 20 awesome ideas for names. We're just talking about the names going back and forth and back and forth, I basically had to, I almost had to threaten him to use Stephen or event or, or else. Like, he just didn't see why that was a better name. But, so if I get that fast, so then we have to go into the artwork ideas. I just want him to get off the internet. I just want to get back to work. I have other things to do. So I'm like, okay, we're going back and forth with, with, with artwork ideas now. And I had, I had like, tons of great ideas. Like, I'm telling, you could be like, look like the Silver Surfer, but you're like on an iPod or a, an iPhone. So, no, no, that idea's not good enough. That idea, so I go back and forth and back and forth. I'm just, I finally just give up. I'm like, what do you want me to do? Well, I thought you could draw a picture of me staring you know, off the off panel with my hair blowing back and my beard's blowing back. He's always got to talk about his beard, by the way. Always. So I'm like, fine, whatever. I'll just draw this. And I want Kirby Crackle. Kirby Crackle. Everybody wants Kirby Crackle. That's a lame idea, but you know what? I, thought, I just draw it. I just draw it. And he made it sound like it took me all day to do this. I did it in like five minutes for him. I did it in like five, maybe that. And I sent the artwork to him, and he wasn't happy with it. But you know what? I just had it. I finally just closed the window on him. Like, this is what you're getting. Deal with it. And I haven't heard from him since until I listened to the episode and heard about what a jerk he's making me sound like and and that he had all... Anyway, I just wanted to set the record straight. That's what happened. So that's how you got this artwork. And Stephen, don't ever call me or contact me again. Thank you. Goodbye. Okay. Um, not quite sure how to respond to that voicemail. That uh, was not at all what I was expecting. Um, a little hurtful. Um, a little hurtful was that voicemail. Um Makes me feel, makes me feel kind of bad. I mean, obviously, uh, Harold is talking about an event in which I spoke of in the previous episode. And it's obvious that Harold and I each remember, uh, this event a little differently. Um, I'm not going to say anyone's right or anyone's wrong. I'm going to let y'all be the judge on whether or not, you know, I'm right or Harold's wrong. Um, but I'm a little, I don't know, uh, I'm a little saddened and it's, I'm going to have to take a moment here before I can really kind of move on and get past it. Uh, and Hey, I've done so because here's the thing. Here's something that he mentioned in the voicemail. And I think that's what I'm just going to, I'm going to focus on. I'm not going to focus on all the, I'm not going to focus on any of the negative, all of the just glaring errors that he spit out in this hateful voicemail. I'm just going to ignore, I'm going to ignore all that. And I'm going to focus on the positive 
And that's the idea of me being drawn as the silver surfer on an iPod. That, that sounds really cool. But okay, Harold, so when you do this, you really got to make sure that uh, don't, you know, get my beard in there. I know that the Silver Surfer doesn't have a beard, but you got to get, you got to get my beard in there. That's, that's pretty important. All right. So uh, thank you, Harold, for the voicemail. And I'm looking forward to seeing me as the Silver Surfer with a very awesome silvery beard uh, on an iPod. That sounds pretty cool. Okay. So issue number two, Secret Wars, Marvel Comics. This is titled Prisoners of War. Same creative team as issue number one. Jim Shooter wrote it. Mike Zeck drew it. John Beatty inked it. Joe Rosen threw them letters down on that page. Christy Scheel just freaking colored the crap out of that book. And then Tom DeFalco, he did some editing. He, he you know, edited some stuff. Uh, let's start with the cover. This is not uh, what I remember. I don't remember this cover. Some of the covers, as I'm as I'm looking through the issues, are to me very iconic, very memorable. This not 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 one of them. This has got Magneto on the front, full body, standing in an at you know a, a a strongman pose, sort of. He's like posing all cool and Magneto like. He's got his Magneto energy crackling around him, and then we have our heroes. They're, they're floating heads around Magneto. We've got on the left, Human Torch, Reed Richards, Captain Marvel, and Iron Man. We've got Hulk, Thor, and Spider-Man underneath. And then we've got the Wasp, Thing, She-Hulk, Captain America, and Hawkeye over to the right. That's the cover. Uh, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful looking cover. I just don't. It's not one that strikes a chord with me. I don't remember that cover. Okay, so let's talk about what happened in the issue. And, and and actually quite a bit happened. If you remember, if you remember the end of issue one, our heroes were about to be attacked by the villains. And uh this is expected because as I mentioned in the previous episode, that's the premise of Marvel Secret Wars. We are on Survivor Planet. Actually, they call it Battle World. Um I don't recall when that actually comes up or if it comes up in the book at all. But as I am doing research, of course, uh, all the websites refer to it as Battle World. And I remember it being referenced as Battle World. I just don't remember. I don't, I don't think it's come up so far in the first two issues. Anyway, so our heroes are under attack. They were taken by surprise. So they are having their butts handed to them. Um, right away. Uh, certain, certain heroes have just been, they're just down for the count. The Wasp is unconscious. Uh, Professor X, he's down. He's unconscious. Um, our villains have these like high tech weapons that they got from their, from the base, their, their fortress that they found there on Battle World. And a couple of the guys are in one, are in, like this big, uh, walking platform with a, a giant cannon on it. And they're just blowing crap up. Uh, at one point, the Hulk picks up this giant boulder and they just shoot it right out of his hands. Uh, he even gets shot by one of these cannons and the Hulk mentions that, um, the energy beams are very powerful and can take out, could take out any one of them, just not him because he's the Hulk. And I didn't mention it, I don't think, in episode one, but the Hulk in this series has the mind of Bruce Banner, which I have always loved. I like, um, Stupid Hulk, but I, I enjoy, uh, Bruce Banner Hulk a whole lot more. Um, so as the fight is going on, we move to another part of the planet. Dr. Doom is, is flying along and, uh, he's thinking back. He's reminiscing on how they all came to be on this planet. And this is the, this is the moment in the book where they do a quick recap of the first issue. Um, as he's flying along, he comes across Galactus, who's still kind of lying there in the dirt, unconscious. And um, Doom tries to get his attention. Galactus wakes up and he just he just rises from the dirt uh, into a standing position. I mean, he just levitates. It's like imagine he's just lying on a flat board and somebody just picked the board up and put him in a standing position. And he does it because, as Doom puts it, no mere mortal forced to clamber awkwardly to his feet. 
He simply rises. But again, Doom's trying to get his attention and Galactus just walks away because as far as Galactus is concerned, everybody else around him, they're, we're just, they're just insects. Doom's, Doom's a gnat, basically. So Doom returns to the fortress. He has to blast his way in uh, through s- some security measures. And he comes into a room where he comes across uh, Ultron, who is still uh, basically dead. His his energy has been drained. He's just laying lifeless on this slab. We go back to the battle. Our heroes now, under the leadership of Captain America, are gaining the upper hand. They capture, they win, of course, because they're the heroes. They capture the Enchantress, Kang, Piledriver, and Thunderball, but the others run away. Um... Cap sends Storm off on a reconnaissance mission to scope out uh, the surrounding area to see if she can find some sort of shelter, some sort of defensible shelter. And uh, as she's flying away, she muses to herself that the air is thick and easy to manipulate, as if the Beyonder deliberately sought to provide her with ideal fighting conditions. Hmm, did he? Hmm, that's a thinker. Uh, Storm does find a, a massive base that's been abandoned and uh, she takes everybody to it. It appears to suit their every need. Um, and it's as the heroes are going into the base and the prisoners are being taken to their, their holding cells. Colossus notices that uh, Lockheed, Kitty Pride's little dragon that came with them, uh, is missing. Now, the dragon, there is at one point during the battle that the dragon is actually fighting along with everybody. Uh, the dragon, however, he's like the size of a Shih Tzu. He's not like a big dragon. He's just this little dragon. But now he's missing. The prisoners are then locked away, and the heroes, uh, before they start exploring their new home, Cap calls them all together to formulate a plan because they they want to capture the villains. They kind I guess I guess the thought is, you know, if if we're here to uh, destroy our enemies, let's just capture everybody and win so we can go home. Um. And he sends Thor, the Human Torch, and Iron Man out on patrol. And everyone else kind of goes off to find food and bedrooms uh, and probably a, a TV and a DVD player and maybe an elliptical machine. Uh, but probably toilets. I think that's what they're looking for is toilets. I know that's where I would be headed. Now, then we go to Magneto, uh, who, if we remember in the first issue, everybody was, all the heroes are like, Magneto, you're a murderer, dude. Uh, why are you with us? We don't hang with murderers. And M- Magneto was like, you know what? Whatever. And he flies away. So he has found his own fortress. So now there are at least three massive base, home base fortress things on this planet. Magneto has found one and he has made himself home there. Uh, the villains who uh, had fled from the battle make their way back to their base. They find Dr. Doom waiting there for them. And because they're villains, they, uh, they're really angry. They think villain, they think Doom is a traitor because Doom left him. And so they're getting ready to throw down when suddenly they're blasted back by Ultron, uh, who Doom has reactivated and has programmed to, uh, follow only him. So, uh, there's no way these guys are going to be able to stand up to, to Ultron. I almost said Voltron. There's no way they're going to be able to stand up to Ultron. So they really have no choice at that point but to follow Doom. Um, Dr. Octopus acts, uh, he brings up Galactus and Doom pulls up a giant uh, monitor screen where they see Galactus standing on top of a hill and just doing his thing, you know? And really, Galactus, what he does is he just he just kind of stands around. And that's all he's doing. He's just standing there. And uh, because he doesn't have his stuff that he needs to, to eat the planet. So... He's just standing there and there's energy crackling around him. And, uh, yeah, that's what he's doing. And of course, you know, there's still a lot of mistrust among the villains. Uh, Doc Ock does not trust Dr. Doom at all, despite the fact that they are both doctors. Um, there is no loyalty, I guess, among evil doctors. So uh, then we have Magneto sneaking into the hero's base while everybody's just kind of chilling. Um, She-Hulk and the Wasp are hanging out and the Wasp opens up about how, you know, all the stuff that they left behind on Earth and, and how she's frightened of being in this strange place. She-Hulk admits that she too is afraid, which makes the Wasp feel better. 
Cyclops and Reed Richards, uh, Mr. Fantastic, they're also, they're hanging out together. And uh, Cyclops is telling Reed that uh, he misses his wife. He was on his honeymoon and suddenly found himself uh, in costume with with the heroes on the structure. So one minute he's on his honeymoon, he's in his civilian clothes, he disappears, and the next moment he's back, he's in costume with with the other heroes. And Reed finds this very interesting because he he says that Professor X uh, had just recently off panel let him know that he wasn't in his wheelchair when he disappeared, and yet was in the wheelchair uh, when he reappeared on the structure with all the all the heroes in that first episode. And doing a little digging, um, he had actually, Professor X, and I don't remember from back in this time, uh, but Professor X had been healed. He could walk. He didn't need his wheelchair. But yet when he is uh, brought back, uh, when he's brought with, you know, to the structure by the Beyonder, he's in his wheelchair. Um, so Reed kind of postulates that the Beyonder is trying to, uh, quote, fix little things that he might consider being wrong. The thing comes across him. Uh, he hears him talking about their wives. The thing he's thinking to himself, right? He's walking through the base and he comes up from behind the two. They're standing out on like a balcony and the thing goes, hey, is uh, Reed talking with that skinny kid from the X-Men? And, uh, you know, Wolverine always referred to, to Cyclops as slim. And the thing is talking about him being a skinny kid. They don't draw him as a skinny kid. He's standing next to Reed Richards. They draw Reed as a skinny guy. But here's a big, broad-shouldered Cyclops being referred to as skinny. Anyway... The thing starts feeling all down on himself because uh, these two guys talking about their wives and makes me realize that, you know, my girl Alicia is back home. But, you know, he kind of he kind of starts to think about it. And he goes, you know what? She's probably better off because look at me. I'm the thing. She's probably better off where she is. And then Spider-Man and the Human Torch are hanging out because, you know, they're buddies. And then uh, Spider, uh, Spider-Man's uh, his his geez, I can't talk. His Spidey sense goes off. Um, which is a reaction to uh, Magneto because Magneto at this point has now uh, gotten into their their power room. Uh, the, there's like a power plant in this freaking base and you don't know what he's up to, but it involves being in this power plant and he he's he's thinking to himself about creating a distraction so he can do what, what he has come to do. Um, but then Spider-Man's Spidey sense goes off and he swings off to investigate while the Human Torch goes to grab reinforcements the other heroes arrive as spider-man who is encased now in a ball of twisted metal comes rolling by he's like woohoo and then shouts out guys it's magneto and then uh maggie they they call him maggie uh escapes by dumping a lot of machinery on the heroes uh wasp however being in her small wasp form is able to dodge and duck and fly through all this metal that's falling. And so she gives chase, but then a uh, Magneto wraps her up in metal into a, in a little metal ball and he takes her with him. Uh, the thing pulls himself free because, you know, he's a big, strong thing, rocky guy, and he starts chasing him. And then suddenly he turns back into the human Ben Grimm and everybody's like, what? And he's like, what? And, uh, Reed's like, what's going on? How did you do that? And the thing, I don't, I don't, I don't know. And so that's a mystery. And She-Hulk uh, points out the obvious that uh, Magneto got away with the Wasp, and uh, Captain Marvel points out uh, that she hopes that everyone noticed that none of the X-Men showed up to fight uh, Magneto. And Cap's like, whoa, settle down, girl, uh, because. We have other things to talk about. And he brings everybody into the monitor room where he and the Hulk have pulled up an image of Galactus. And again, Galactus is just standing there. He's just standing there glowing. He's just doing his thing. There's another monitor next to it. These are like giant monitors that are that are taller than, 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 than our heroes are. So there's a monitor next to it that's showing like lightning crackling or, or, or energy exploding or something. And Cap's just like, you know what? We have bigger things to worry about at the moment. And then that's where the issue ends. Uh, so my favorite moments. Uh, first off, 
I just love the landscape of this alien world that Mike Zek draws. These, these weird coily tendrils that make up the ground. It's just, it's, it is quite alien. And, uh, you, you, it really makes Battle World unique, his, uh, his landscapes. Um, now as far as actual moments on page one, splat, there's a, it's a splash page. Reed calls out, we're under attack. And Wolverine, who of course, is standing with his claws out, just simply responds, good. That was one of my favorite moments. Uh, Lockheed fighting uh, during the battle, I like that. <laughs> There's a moment where She-Hulk is fighting the Enchantress, and She-Hulk's talking about how she doesn't really get the opportunity all that often to really duke it out with somebody that's on her level. And uh, she, you know, she's, she really has this chance to unload and she punches Enchantress so hard that it knocks her out. And then She-Hulk says what is probably my... So this is my favorite line of the entire issue. Oh, wow. That was like tubular, you know, to the max. I didn't realize that She-Hulk was a valley girl. Or is she saying it ironically? They don't really, they don't really say. I, I'm going to assume that she's saying it ironically. My most favorite moment of the issue, however, is Spider-Man when he is encased in that ball of scrap metal and how he appears to really just be in, he's, he just, he seems to be having a ball uh, with, uh, you know, Magneto throwing him across the room encased in metal because he's going, woo-hoo-hoo-hoo. So that is my favorite moment of the issue. So far, Secret Wars for me, still going strong, nostalgia at some high peak levels. And uh, so we're going to come back next week with issue number three, which is titled Tempest Without, Crisis Within. Event or Else is a presentation of the Stephen or Else podcast. Questions and comments can be directed to Stephen or Else at gmail.com. You can find Stephen on the World Wide Web at StephenOrElse.com, Patreon.com slash StephenROR, Reddit.com slash R slash Stephen or else, or follow him on Twitter and Instagram by searching for at Stephen or else. <laughs>